Charlie, I think this is on. Is that working? Okay, lovely. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Real Life Church. If you've not been before, if you're here very regularly, it's excellent to see you. Is that all right? Thank you. Excellent. Well, the kids had a great time on Thursday. Now, some of the adult men had a great time yesterday. These shirts are all about the challenge we did, running through mud, puddles, fields, over obstacles and all of that. So it was a brilliant day. Um, and I think there might, there's word that there'll be something like that next year again for those who might want to get involved. Okay? Now we're going into the next, next part of the Thank God It's Monday series and we're going to be talking about the gospel at work. A book plug for you. I think Stuart robbed the title. This is called Thank God It's Monday by Mark Green. I've been working through this. George as well has done as well. I found it particularly helpful. It's got loads of practical examples in there of just ways in which we can bring the gospel to the workplace. Um, and I found his, his viewpoint on who God is and how God wants to be in the workplace very, very empowering. Okay, so there's a plug. Come and get the title off us at the end if you're interested. Okay, yeah, so George is my wife and we are members of Real Life Church and we oversee life groups. Um, Stuart spoke a few weeks ago on what the gospel is and and how that affects the workplace and that was a proper exposition of that topic. This is going to be a much more practical based, our experience along with some of the scriptures we've found very helpful and we're going to talk about good times when the gospel has been able to be applied and we're going to talk about hard times as well. Okay, so if you're sitting there thinking the first section is all about how brilliant we are, please don't have that attitude, you'll find out the hard times as well. Okay, um, this is going to be about testimony as well. So I encourage you, we encourage you that over the next sort of week or so, be conscious of the testimony of when you've been able to apply um, witness in the workplace or do something practical um, and share those stories with one another because that's where we get stirred and that's where we get encouraged. So, um, am, I, am I working? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what kind of picture, um, when you say sharing the gospel at work, what comes to mind. But for me, I find it quite a daunting task. Um, and I think that um, when we got asked to speak on this, I did think, oh my gosh, I should probably do a little bit more, probably go into work, get stand on my chair and shout out to everyone and say, everyone come round, I've got some really great news for you all. Um, but um, through working through this, I've, we've kind of looked and thought, well, what actually is sharing the gospel at work? Is it standing on your chair and proclaiming out to everybody? Or is there a little bit of an easier way of doing this? So we're going to look at some practical stories of things through our own work um, that we've done, um, like John says, in the hard times and in the good times, um, and hopefully just bring out a few little tips that you might want to try yourself. So feel free, as we're going along, to sort of write some, something down or note something down about things you might think, oh, I might just give that a, a go um, in my daily work, whatever that may be. So we're just going to start to let you have a little bit of an idea of our own work history. So for me, work started fairly young, and early careers for me involved babysitting, um, waitressing, working in a bar, a bakery and a chemist. So quite a varied start. Okay, and for me, it started with my chores at home, and then I progressed on to the ironing, for which I got 10p an item. Um, rates did sh- uh, steepen as I uh, got older and better. Okay, I took on a paper round, and at the age of 16, I qualified as a lifeguard and ended that for two or three years afterwards whilst I was still studying. Um, so after um, I qualified as a waitress, um, I then went to university to study law um, with the intention of becoming a police officer, but um, after some time there, changed my mind and thought I'd have a go at trying to be a solicitor instead. 
Um, and so just to put in context, before university, I, I went to church every Sunday, but I'm not sure that I had a personal relationship with God. But it was really at uni that um, God spoke, sort of started introducing himself more to me through various people, and I started getting a bit more of a um, stronger relationship with him there. Okay, well, I went to university to study geography with the ambition that I'll be working with overseas charities and community development. Okay, I took on a number of temping jobs while I was there in order to, have, to support my income. Um, however, towards my final year, God really changed my heart for the overseas communities and gave me a focus and attention on the UK and, and um, a desire to work in the estates and struggling communities here. I was always, always under the impression that, that would, I would do a nine-to-five um, Monday to Friday, and then in the evenings I'll be able to get to these estates and do some projects, um, sports clubs, things like that, and I'll be able to input into those communities. Now, things changed for me um, very much with God's hand on it, and I'll explain a bit more about that later on. So, um, just in case you wondered, we met at university. Um, and so, after my degree, I decided to stay on for a fourth year to do the legal practice course, which is the course you need to be able to go and qual- to train, not qualify, as a solicitor. So, it was actually a bit of a longer route than I anticipated. But um, anyway, so I stayed on, sent out loads of letters about getting a training contract at a law firm, didn't get one. So, um, after university, I left and did a paralegal job working um, for a firm that dealt with road traffic accidents. Very interesting. Oh yeah, still me. Um, and at this, at this time, um, God was, um, my relationship with God was growing still, um, and he was starting to speak to me a little bit more. And one of the things he said was that um, we were... T- Um, going out but I was back in Bristol John was in Hertfordshire and one of the things he said to me was I want you to move to Hertfordshire to be near John and to join his church that was God saying not me oh yeah sorry (laughs) I didn't mind the idea it was a good so I then started directing my search there and I felt sure that God would supply me with a job instantly because I was following his plan Um, it still took about a year but I did finally get a job um a training contract job in a law firm, which I thought was amazing, um, but I will come on to later that actually that started to be the worst and hardest three years of my life, but I will explain later. Okay. Um, following uni, I picked up a recycling research job near South End and spent six months on dust carts working with dustmen. After that finished up, it was a six-month contract, but after that finished up, I did a few more temp jobs and then ended up in working for a local housing association. Okay. Uh, And I was there for three years, and during that time, although I started off in a very menial um, administration job, I ended up working as a housing officer. So the heart that God had given me for estates and um, developing communities um, whilst I was at university then became not my extracurricular hobby, it became my full-time activity. So I could have never seen how those... God's changing my heart and how that would line up with later employment would come about, but they did very clearly. Um, I had a fantastic time working with that, with, with that team and in that organisation. It really stretched me. It gave me some really big personal challenges. But in fact, I was able to share my testimony very openly with people. And, 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 and um, it's just a very blessed and fruitful time. So at this point, we are now married. We were now then married. Um, and God spoke again about moving to Birmingham, um, which... 
um, we, we went for, and um, that's where I got my job, which I work in now, which I work for the council, the Birmingham City Council, as a solicitor in their contracts and procurement. Um, and it's just worth saying that God has been with me throughout my career, and this is an absolute gift from God. He's really, after such a hard time, really blessed me with this job, and I do thank him daily for it. Okay, well, the move to Birmingham started with me having seven months of unemployment, so I had to resign from that really awesome job and then start with the, with the hope and ambition I'm going on God's mission. He's going to sort things. This is going to be brilliant. Okay, seven months of sitting on the sofa, applying to jobs, trying to find employment here was an absolute, absolute struggle. So conversely, having gone from a very good environment into a very tough environment, um, I, had to, I had a lot of lessons to learn. I'm going to talk about that later on when it comes to talking about how to apply the scripture into a hard place. Now, um, I did find work after seven months and worked for an IT administration job for 18 months. Um, I thought it was way below my pay grade and my ability and, it, and the struggles continued. But 10 months ago, I returned to the housing sector okay, and I started working with a charity that tackles youth homelessness in Birmingham. Okay, so that was, that's, that's wrapping up. So you've got a bit of an idea of where we've been to and the variety of things we've done and how God has been watching over us as we've gone. To introduce this, uh, introduce us today's topic, I'm just going to, to summarise, uh, to start us off by saying the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ altered human history. That's a fact. We can't avoid that. And anyone who acknowledges that fact and asks Jesus to forgive their sins is fundamentally changed by Jesus. Now think back to your own salvation, and I'm sure you remember parts of your life which changed as a result of that decision. Your identity changed and your status Okay, your identity changed at that point, and it doesn't flip now between the old status and the new status of being saved and then not saved and then saved and not saved, okay? Our actions and attitudes may flip around, but our status in God's eyes does not change. Okay, equally, at the start of our daily activity and our routine, which which we're calling work for the purposes of today, God does not abandon us at this time. When you clock on, he doesn't disappear. He's not an off-peak God, only showing up at Sunday church meetings, prayer meetings and life group. He's always there, always caring and always waiting to impact us and those around us during this time. Now this principle was something I forgot when I came to Birmingham and I had all these struggles. And it's only in the recent weeks that, that God's reopened my eyes to that. Reading this book has really helped me understand that God is a full-time God always there. Okay, so I'm finding my walk with God impacted by the series that we're doing. So if we look at um, possible ways of bringing the gospel into our workplace, we can look at the Bible um, and see that it mentions the word love around 700 times. Um, And Jesus is very clear about um, us having to, or encouraging us to love our neighbours as ourselves, which he talks about when he says about the greatest commandments. He also says later on um, in John 13, um, at the Passover feast before his death, that um, we should love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And then he goes on to say that by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So it seems like this is quite a good place to start when you're trying to bring the gospel of Jesus into the workplace. Just very simply start by loving your colleagues. Okay, one way I found that in the, with the variety of jobs that I've held is to make tea, all right? I know it's such a British thing to do, but it has powerful gospel results. Okay, um, so for, and, I'll, and I'll justify this now. Say, uh, George mentioned the passage just now. Now, before that, Jesus is, washes the disciples' feet. He serves the disciples. He does the, the job that isn't supposed for him to do. But God, uh, Jesus is 
catering to the needs of his disciples is making sure that they're all right by washing their feet. Now, having, um, I find that making tea is a hugely effective way to get yourself integrated into a team. You're serving your colleagues, you're sorting their needs, you're um, providing something for them. And it's a humbling job to do. Many are like, why are you making the cup of tea? Okay? So everybody wants to progress from making tea to the more, more uh, respected jobs. But I find it's a fantastic, result, a fantastic way to get to know your colleagues um, and, to, and to really serve them and to get integrated quickly. And I know this works because George works for one employer where you were not allowed to make tea for anyone except for yourself. Okay, so that community that's developed, that sharing and caring for one another was not allowed, not permitted. You could only go and make tea for yourself. Okay, I thought that was, that was outrageous. And, I sent, and, I've, and I've actually joined one job where no one but the manager drank tea. Okay, so in an office of nine people, it's me and her on the tea round. Okay, so that worked really well for my boss and I might have made inroads there. And I'm not talking about sort of trying to be teacher's pet but I'm, talk, I'm, I'm emphasising the serving people. Everyone else didn't drink hot drinks, and, it was, and I swear it took me longer to get integrated into that team as a result of that. Now, the very same team didn't share cakes at birthday. So for my birthday, I came along with a set of George's cakes, and you'll know what they're like, and the team were just like, what have you done? Why are you doing this? So that, that demonstration of generosity, of care for one another, and of, of freely giving something without it being expected of someone was just not accepted, and they, would, they were just undone by it, okay? So um, having, just trying to outwardly work out that love in, in a context where it's not really known has very, very powerful effects. Not, uh, still working on trying to <laughs> um, encourage people to be more generous with one another. Um, likewise, in that same role, the manager, the interim manager left very soon after I joined, but I had a chance to work with her quite closely on a number of, on a number of cases. Uh, the team did a collection, as is tradition, and bought a present, but no one was prepared, no one among the established team was prepared to do the presentation. So having only been there five months, I thought, ah, I better step in here. And God gave me the boldness and the words to say. So I took the chance to publicly, in the office, just share a few great qualities about that staff member and how she had impacted a number of our customers, the lives of our customers. And that, I, that did require God's boldness and God's help because in that context and environment, people did not publicly praise one another. They didn't even privately praise one another. Okay? So that was, that was just trying to share some of God's love and generosity in, a, in, a, in the workplace. God's also prompted me recently that if, if we're to share his love in the workplace and to um, speak about Jesus in the workplace, that I personally have to start speaking to my colleagues full stop. Um, now, I, I thought I was quite good at talking generally, um, but I, I just felt convicted recently that actually all my conversations were about work um, or weather or something like that. Um, and so I just felt God say, well, well, you know, actually find out about your colleagues. You sit next to them eight hours a day. They're not just people who you sit next to, like, care about them. So the next day I went into work, my colleague turned up. I was like, hi, how are you? good weather today isn't it um, and then I thought let's go for this so I was like how was your evening did you have a good evening last night and I tell you what he looked at me and frowned and went uh, um, we, we don't normally talk about evenings and I was like oh my gosh no we don't so, um, so it just really convicted me that actually am I taking a good enough interest 
Um, because I do love these people, and Jesus definitely loves these people. Um, and so as a challenge, um, I would say that if, like, have a think about how you communicate with people you see on a daily basis. Do you talk about the weather? Do you talk about, oh, my workload is so ridiculous? Um, or do you say, actually, how are you? Maybe don't say, how is your evening? Because that clearly is a bit of a suspicious one. Um, <laughs> Another thing which God prompted recently was to, um, or reminds me of recently, that a few years ago he said, have a look at your own salvation story. I think I was a bit sceptical about, oh, does being nice really reflect Jesus' love? He said, have a look at your own salvation story. And he highlighted a few people to me who had impacted me. Now, these people... One specifically was this lady who had invited me to a house to a girls' evening. Um, I'd only met her a few times, and I actually didn't go to the girls' night because I couldn't, I couldn't make it. But she just stood out to me as someone that at the time I was like, oh, my gosh, someone actually wants to invite me to something. That's so kind. Another one that he picked out was somebody who would invite me along to church, life group, and every time... Um, she saw me, she'd be so pleased to see me, she'd be so friendly, so kind. And I realised that, that I was seeing Jesus' love through these people. None of them stood on their chair in the workplace and said, right, everyone, I've got some news to tell you. But through that, they, um, they just showed Jesus' love to, to me. So again, as a, li- as a little tip, if you've not had a think about who's impacted you through your walk with Jesus, I'd encourage you to just spend a few minutes thinking about this. Um, and, to act- and I imagine that you'd realise that it's not so much people like preaching at you, sorry Stuart, that, um, <laughs> that um, sometimes makes things click, but the way that people are with you is just like, actually, this is Jesus in person just being nice to me. Okay, so moving on from love, Jesus gives us uh, some, some uh, in, just guidance about how to live our lives out in front of people. So this is, a, this is going to be talking about impacting culture. And so in Matthew 5.14, Jesus talks about sh- our light, having our light shine among, uh, before people, making it apparent. Um, um, so he's encouraging not, not to hide our relationship from view, not to cover it up or shut it away. In contrast, he's also not asking us to broadcast or impose our relationship with him on others. And there's a subtle difference there. So there's been opportunities that I've taken that have been great fun to be a part of, and I've seen attitudes in the office place change when I've actually seen an opportunity and spoken about that. Back in Bishop Stortford, when, we, when I was working with the Housing Association, George and I were going out, then we were engaged, and then we were married. And there were many, many opportunities to talk to our coll- my colleagues about the lifestyle we were leading. So we weren't living together, we weren't sleeping together, and we were waiting to marriage in order for that to happen. Um, and they were like, whoa, some, some, some people re- really respected that, said, you're old-fashioned traditionalist, I love that you're doing that. And then others are like, are you serious? And at one point, my, my, one of my uni friends, who I... Uh, is a great friend of mine said when I said I'm engaged he turned around and said are you that desperate to get laid so um, all these different people are, I've, I've taken the chance to, to witness so um, do you, <laughs> if you hide those op- I've, there's also conversely been times when I've hidden an opportunity to speak and I've just gone away thinking I'm sorry Lord there could have been something really special happen there and there's times when I've shared and I've being red in the face because of the honesty with which I've had to show. But to be honest, it's glorifying God and people know me better as a result of those chances. Okay? So follow that. Um, (laughs) 
I think when you're looking at the culture that you live in and impacting it and potentially changing it, um, I think that we can underestimate actually what kind of impact we can have. One story, which isn't actually my own, but I just love it, is about this lady who, um, she worked in a school, she um, would regularly be in the staff room, and she realised that in the staff room there was so many um, people just moaning, um, the atmosphere was really bad, she wouldn't really... um, yeah, people just weren't really getting on. And it wasn't that they were moaning about the kids, it wasn't that they were even moaning about Ofsted. Um, What they were moaning about is the milk in the fridge and how somebody kept stealing their milk. Um, And after a while, she realised this kind of attitude was really damaging. So she thought, I'll tell you what, I'll buy a full pint of milk, put it in the fridge and say it's for everybody. Um, And just that little action actually changed the whole... Um, atmosphere in the staff room. No one was moaning about milk. No one was accusing anyone of stealing their milk anymore. And in fact, people were also buying four pints of milk to share. So by just letting her little light shine um, and her like just letting like what Jesus does overflow, she completely changed the culture um, in a staff room and probably impacted loads of people's loads of people's days. Um, just recently, I had an email through at work saying, congratulations, you've um, won an award. Um, Come to lunch um, with this director and we'll give it to you. So I was like, okay, I can do this. So I went to lunch not having a clue what I'd actually been nominated for, but knowing that I'd won this award. Um, And as people were being presented, people were being presented for changing the way the council worked, for um, single-handedly running this project, for saving money. And I thought, oh my gosh, There's another Georgina Dean here, and they've got it wrong. (laughs) This can't be for me. And when it actually got to me, what the award was actually for um, was, as well as a few sort of token projects, saying, um, oh, your colleagues have really appreciated the way that you've um, worked to raise morale in the workplace by organising socials and baking cakes and bringing them to work. So I got an award for cakes. And it just made me realise that something which is so natural to do, actually, to other people, is really changing and impacting the culture um, in the workplace. So if nothing else, I would encourage you to bake cakes and take them to your workplace because they're clearly anointed. Um, No, I think you've got awarded for being able to balance both. Doing your job and having a life and caring for people. Okay. (laughs) I'll bake some for you. Okay, in addition to what it says in Matthew 5, it says in Jeremiah 20, uh, 29, verse 7, which is one of our principles here of Real Life Church, that, we, that God instructs his people who are living in exile to invest themselves into the new lands, the new culture, and the new community so that he may bless those people. That's something very close to the ambition and the desire of this church. And that's something that we also, are, I would encourage you to, to take with you to your workplace, keep that in your mind. Okay? Now, what I mentioned working on the dust carts. Um, following uni and I, spent, I, I was due to spend two weeks with one crew we would do this on rotation and I was on a dust cart with a, a, delivery, uh, a dust cart driver who looked like Homer Simpson except for he didn't have yellow skin okay? now he was on the paper recycling um, paper recycling round and at some point he would picked up someone's back catalogue of porn mags and put them on the bench on the back of the cart which is where I was due to sit okay? now in terms of a culture and a 
um, a, an environment to be working in. I really struggled in this area. Each time him and the loader stop for a coffee break, they'd reach for a mag and then they'll flick through. Now, my best efforts to um, hide this was to put my jacket over the stack and just to sort of, on tea break, be looking at the ceiling or something like that. It was not a very comfortable environment to be in. And I got to the point where I had to remove myself from that environment. As a, as a young man, it's a, it's a real battleground. And I went up to one of my colleagues and I pleaded with her. I said, look, I really honestly need to swap with you. She grilled me for why I wanted to swap and I, she would not accept my reasoning until I said, actually, it's because they're they've got these filthy mags in the back and I can't handle being there. Anyway, she was kind enough to swap with me. Um, I managed to flee from that, that environment and, and jump onto the glass recycling or something like that, which is a good thing because those guys go at speed. They really are quick. So um, the paper boys are slow. They were really slow. So, that, so I, wasn't, I, couldn't, I didn't have the opportunity to modify the environment. I could have gone around the back and chucked them on the back of the skip but I think he would have been outraged. So I, I went to the point of saying, I've got to remove myself from this. You might need to do that. I don't know of your work context, but um, if in doubt, get out um, if, if the opportunity is there. Um, I mentioned earlier about one job where I took the cakes and they, were, they weren't the typical thing to do and they weren't very well accepted. And I found during that, assessing that workplace that, that, that this public, publicly complimenting people didn't happen and there was a bit of a, a sombre mood in the office. Now when it came to team meetings, there was always an agenda item that said compliments, comments and complaints. And I took the opportunity there to publicly thank staff members who had helped me during that week. And that was, again, a really alien concept, and I feel really stupid for doing it. But I just want to thank Gloria for that, and I just want to thank Frank for doing that. And you feel like an idiot, because it doesn't get talked about. But I found that within maybe a couple of months of doing that, people were opening up and thanking one another for what they had done, and there was a greater sense of appreciation in that place. The consequence to me was I felt much more relaxed. It was a bit selfish, but I felt more relaxed living and working in that place, because I was being more honest about who I was. So, so far, we've spoken about things which you might not think are groundbreaking. I don't know what you've thought of our, of our examples here and our application. But I'd like to say that these things require the Christian to be, have a willing heart and the boldness to respond to God's prompting. Okay, boldness is a really important factor of being a Christian. And in Acts, if you read Acts 2 to 4, you'll see the devastated disciples after Jesus has um, died and has gone to heaven, and they're thinking, what on earth is happening here? They're, what they don't appreciate is the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on them. And the consequence of the Holy Spirit being poured out on them is that they go out and they are transformed into people that declare the gospel boldly. Now, they were publicly speaking about the gospel and thousands were saved, but it was the ingredients of the Holy Spirit there bringing boldness. And that is a really important thing for us to, uh, to appreciate and to ask God for when sharing the gospel. So thinking about how we can put these actions into actually going into the workplace and telling people about Jesus. Um, if we look at Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission where um, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all those around us. So it's what he wants, it's what he would encourage us to do. Um, and I think he's clearly up for giving us opportunities. Um, and it's definitely worth um, thinking about the time of year and how you can sort of, sort of introduce Jesus to people like that. So, for example, last Easter... Um, I'd been reading a book about the resurrection um, and how like, the death and resurrection of Jesus changed everything. Um, so feeling quite bold and quite willing, I prayed to, and said, um, Lord, give me an opportunity to speak to somebody today. Um, and as, as if God was listening and waiting for me to act, 
Um, that very morning, someone came up to me in the kitchen and said, um, so what does Easter mean to you? I knew this, I'd been getting to know this person. He knew I was a Christian. Um, and I just thought, wow, God's so faithful that not only has he given me the opportunity, but he's actually used what I've been reading as preparation for me to say, well, what Easter means to me is that Jesus died um, and he rose again. Um, and we were there in the kitchen and we were actually both agreeing that, yes, Jesus was a person. Yes, Jesus died. I don't think we both agreed that Jesus rose again, but we definitely got a chance to discuss it. And so I would just encourage you to step out definitely um, to get to ask God for opportunities because he wants to give them to you and he won't, um, he won't sort of like make fun of you or put you in a place where you're going to be laughed at. So I would just say if you, if you don't ask him, definitely ask him. Okay. Now, um, I've been able to, just a bit earlier I talked about testimony, questions come up in the workplace, scenarios come up in the workplace and I've been able to talk about how as a Christian that, that works itself out for me. I've only shared the gospel in its extent maybe twice in the whole of my employment career. So I don't know if that encourages you or helps you or makes you feel a bit better. But I remember that on the first occasion I was work, did a Christmas shift at a mail order catalogue company and I was in the packing department. There was a lad there called Joe, who's 19 years old, really sound lad, and we were working together for a couple of weeks. Now, um, we started our shift at 6am, and on this particular morning, about 8am, I just felt God open up an opportunity to talk to him. We'd had, we had a big order to, to work through, and it's very repetitive, so it didn't require a great deal of attention. And for about an hour, I just went with, talking through with him in his own language, and it's just a, just a lad who um, had gone from school, dropped out of GCSEs, and then managed to find this warehouse job. So to, to talk to him about the gospel in all its, expound it in all its sort of technical jargon didn't work. So God had been work, just helping me through um, understanding his big picture right from the start to end. And I just effectively, a bit like the Emmaus Road, had a chance in very simple terms to go from, through the beginning of God's creating us to, the, to man's response to that and how it all went bad, to Jesus reconciling things for us and then actually his return that we we're, were waiting for to happen. And God opened up that opportunity to me. It was a real pleasure to do that. And on the second occasion, which was here in Birmingham with my IT job, um, I was on a side project and there was a young Muslim lad there and he reminded me of myself. He had been raised in a Muslim family and then actually found... Um, he had converted to, to, his, to the Muslim faith and got very into it. Um, so over a number of weeks we got to know each other and then over two nights we spent two hours each night. It just it wasn't... We will set aside two hours. It was just the consequence of looking at the watch thinking... <gasps> My shift finished two hours ago, we better go. But we were talking about, at length, about our faith. Um, he started off in the position that, oh, Muslims and Christians are very similar. We worship the same God and la, 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 la. By the time we had finished, four hours later, we just knew we were poles apart. But I hadn't had the privilege of talking to someone in such depth about who God was and about his plan and his nature and what heaven would look like as with that young man. And it really strengthened me, really encouraged me. I went away for... Um, respecting that man even more, respecting his faith in some respects, but also having great compassion for how religiously tied up he was, he was at that time. So those are two particular opportunities in my life where God has opened up the way to speak without feeling that there was going to be a backlash or uh, it would be a disaster. Oh, by the way, no, neither of them dropped to their knees and confessed and left sin and said, Jesus, come into my life. We never know what's going to happen down the line. That's in God's hands. But the opportunity presented it to itself and we, and, uh, we, uh, we, we took it. Okay. 
So, so far, we've, we've spoken about when things seem quite good. We've been mainly drinking tea and eating cake, and things have, have seemed quite sort of natural and, and easy. But we did say we were going to talk about how, um, how you also bring the gospel into a place when things are actually really tough. Um, so as mentioned, when I moved to Hertfordshire, I got this, this dream job of a training contract, which I've searched for for so long. Um, and when I started, it actually turned out it was going to be really difficult. I had a really difficult um, boss um, where I would get shouted at daily and I'd, I'd get very personal attacks on my character as part of my training. Um, I was regularly told I wasn't good enough for the job, that I'd never be successful in this career. Um, and if I made a mistake... It, I'd, get sh- I'd get shouted at because the fact is um, you learn from being told off, apparently. So, um, in fact, it was such an atmosphere that I'd probably only get communication with my boss when I was being shouted at. Um, she didn't let us liaise with any staff nor make tea, like John was saying. Much of her communication was by dictation. Um, and I remember my second week, I had to type up this three-page dictation, which was just tales of my incompetence, really, and how disappointed she was in me and how awful I was. Um, so it's fairly standard to get quite bullied in this workplace. Um, as you can imagine, the atmosphere was predominantly fear. Um, we weren't allowed to... Um, speak with one, one another like, like I said and I was actually in this office with um, where all the files were so staff were coming in all the time to um, get the files but because you, couldn't, you weren't allowed to talk to anybody I was put behind this screen so there was me in this massive office but I just had a little corner with a screen in front because I couldn't speak to anybody I was scared of going in nearly every day um, I'd never know what my boss would be um, what mood she would be in Um, And I didn't know if I was in for a bit of a telling off or not. So in that kind of atmosphere, how on earth do you bring the gospel to work where there's no freedom to build relationships, um, no freedom to really speak? Um, So through this time, I learned two things. One, or actually I didn't learn, I knew two things. One, God had called me to this location, 100%, I was sure of that. And two, I needed this job if I was going to pursue this career, which I'd spent five years trying to do. So my choices were either to trust God that he had a plan for me or to turn away and say, I think you've got it wrong this time. I'll I'll do it my own way. So the gospel at work then became less of an opportunity to um, seek um, opportunities to share the gospel, but it was actually more of an opportunity and turning it on me to say, do I trust the gospel enough to continue with this plan that God has for me. So, to be honest, I feel quite privileged, which I can say now because I'm looking back on it, to have been in that situation. And uh, um, it really helped my relationship with God. He spoke to me on very two, on two very clear occasions when I just had awful weeks, didn't think I could continue, um, and just said to God, look, I want to leave this job Would would you alter your plan for me a little bit so that I can leave? And on both times, he gave me clear instruction, which was always, you you can leave. I'm never going to put you in a place where you're going to be unhappy. You definitely can leave if you want. However, I would encourage you to stay. And he spoke to me in this verse um, in 2 John 8, which said, Um, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully now I'm not um, in context that verse is about false teaching I'm not um, giving you the sort of 
saying anything about this verse other than at the time, um, I knew that it was God saying to me, carry on if you can, because I've got something for you. Just get carry on so you get your full reward. Um, so I knew that he had bigger and better plans for me and that if I were to follow his gospel, that I just needed to stay. Um, and he did have bigger plans for me. I did qualify as a solicitor two years later, and I even stayed at that job for another year after I was qualified. Um, and, yeah, I just, just like, he was so faithful in that place. So the, the point of sharing this really is I would just encourage that if anybody is in a bad situation in their work or, or in any of their daily life, to just really, like, seek God um, and to cling on to him. What I found useful in these situations was to get people around me praying for me. Um, so um, tip number one, really, would be if you're not in a life group, definitely join a life group. And if you are in a life group, attend that life group and, uh, <laughs> and um, share honestly um, with what's going on in your life. My life group were amazing. I got daily texts from them, encouragement from them. Um, at this point, I lived with Stuart and Melanie. It was before John and I got married. Um, every day when I got home, it would be like, George, how was your day? How are you? What did she do? What did she say? I just had people looking out for me all the time, checking I was okay. When I got married, um, John would pray for me every day before leaving the house because I'd normally be in tears. Um, and it's just a testimony to like um, living out the gospel is sometimes hard, but get people around you definitely um, because, the, yeah, you just have like this strong presence praying for you and you just know that God's with you. Okay. All right, so for, uh, for myself, prior to moving was really good times and although I was supporting George heavily with prayer and lots of wisdom, that wisdom was seen to come back and bite me in the butt, okay? All right? So, uh, so... For me, um, it was really important in the, in the hard place that the gospel applied to my life and keeping me going. All right? Like George was saying, it's very difficult to broadcast it beyond that point at some times. And moving to Birmingham put my, my um, faith in God's plan um, under heavy, heavy um, attack, to be honest. Um, I'd quit a fantastic job and boldly followed God's call to this church plant. And then I spent seven months, like I said, job searching. And the consequence of being unemployed shattered my confidence my self-esteem, and it brought a bit of selfishness and resentment into my attitude. Uh, Reading my Bible each day and praying became such a battle, and I got consumed with the overwhelming sense that God had abandoned me. I was thinking about this last night. It's a bit like Joseph. He's had these dreams of what's going to happen, and then his brothers beat him up and chuck him in a well. And I was like, actually, that, that that could parallel quite closely with what I was experiencing. Okay. Um, at life group and church meetings, I fought to find motivation to praise God. Still attended, was there. I missed any. Most Stuart might know. But yeah, I was there and I, and I, and I just had to um, really, really fight on. And, and, and like George said, the support I, I got was just paramount to my survival, really, um, and getting through, getting through this period. Um, someone here even fasted Facebook until I had got that job. Thank you, Charlotte. All right, so in their own little way, they stood there saying, look, we're going to stand with you and we're going to see this through. Okay? Now... Um, this experience left quite a bitter taste in my mouth and, and especially how it related to God's plan. And everything in the relocation was working really well except for this job. Um, but God had some big lessons for me to learn and, and I had to really switch to depending on him and not a job to, to get, my, uh, 
to get my um, purpose and satisfaction in life. Okay, but during this time, I travelled around Birmingham a lot and uh, delivering CVs and attending interviews and doing a few other interests. And I kept passing Poets Corner. I don't know if you know it, down near Small Heath. Um, I don't know if you know Small Heath. Um, but I kept passing Poets Corner and uh, past a particular mosque and thinking, actually, I really feel drawn to that place. And I would daydream about being able to get involved in that community and be there and learning more about them and, and playing my part. Okay? And this got mixed in with that desire God gave me at uni to be involved with communities and helping them develop. But despite all the, and, and, but it, that was in the context of all this hardship going on. I found the IT administration job after seven months um, and I thought, uh, winner, I'm out of it. Um, this is going to be great. But I ended up spending 37, 40 hours sitting on my backside all day, which for me doesn't work. You've got to be out there with the customer, with your team, getting results. But this, they gave me two computer screens and a telephone, and all I had to do was transfer data from one screen to another. I did that for 18 months, and that was a struggle. I still managed to share my testimony of being a Christian and various things that were going on in my life, but I couldn't honestly say I really trusted in what God was doing. Um, now, consequently, I, after, um, I found a job uh, advert with a housing charity, sent off my CV thinking I've done housing, that will get me through the door. I sat the interview and, and certainly that experience did qualify me, um, tick many of the boxes I needed, but it was the experience of being unemployed, I didn't know it, it was the experience of being unemployed which actually got me through the, through the criteria and they, and they took me as an employee. So it was having the compassion, the understanding, the empathy of the struggle that there is to be unemployed that, that really commute, that, that really stood out for the, for the um, interview panel. Um, now, looking back on it, I can see God's hand in it, and it's only in the last sort of weeks preparing for this I can see how much God has been faithful. There's me yelling and angry and bitter about what's going on, but God was preparing me for this job. I now work with unemployed people day to day. I get back to 40 hours a week in these communities, and I work on Poets Corner. So I'm just like, wow. It's such... I didn't know it was going to hit me like that. But yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. <clears throat> got one more sentence. Let's get to it. Uh, yeah. So now God has got me working with the very people he wants me to help in the location where he wants me to be. Uh, I'm finding my faith in his plan renewed. And uh, I really hope I'll be there for a while, a good while, uh, sharing and witnessing of my relationship with God. So, let's finish there. We've got to uh, move on to our application. Oh, yeah, go on. Um, well, as we've gone along, we've given you some sort of points to jot down. So, we're not going to summarise all the points exactly. But we just want to say that God is always there. He's always interested. Um, he's, like John said, he's always got a plan. He's never panicked of, oh my gosh, I didn't plan this. He just knows you. Um, and so we would just give you an encouragement to, to just be willing to take God where you go. Um, be bold as much as you can, but just know that he's with you, he's for you. Um, and just an encouragement to just share, like, hopefully this week you'll go make tea for people. Um, you'll, you'll have loads of, like, in-depth conversations with your colleagues about them, not about work. Um, and we just encourage you to share your stories, to encourage each other that God is there, he's active, um, and he's working all the time. 
Um, so yeah, be bold, be willing, and share your stories. Cool. Amen.